Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do with the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even extreme metal. I need to be on my best behaviour because it is currently quarter past ten and I imagine I have at least one neighbour who would like to get to bed, so... We're going to have to be really quiet. We're going to have to be like super quiet and stuff. I'm not going to do an ASMR um, podcast, I hate ASMR. Um, Hope we're all doing well with my squeaky chair. my week's going terribly, hence why I didn't record anything last week. Um, I hope, if you are a landlord out there, I hope you get the clap. That's just that's just how I see things. But, you know, otherwise, it's been pretty good. We had lots of really nice weather, and today it's just been shit, so... We just can't win. But, you know, parts of Europe are starting to open back up again, um, which is a good thing for them because they are... Most of the countries I've, been, I've seen that are starting to quiet down a bit. Admittedly, Corona didn't hit them as hard because um, a lot of them are hotter climates compared to the UK. Um, also, parts of America are starting to open up, which is not so great because they are way not prepared from what I've heard. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, but who gives... Who, I was going to say, who gives a shit? We all have to give a shit, but... Let's fucking move on. Let's talk about some fat tunes. Fat with a PH and tunes with two O's. Because this week, we're going to be talking about new albums from 13 Crows, a punk and roll outfit from Scotland. Almost forgot. Hot Mulligan, a mathy, emo-y sort of thing from America. Me and that man, the project from Nurgle, uh, the frontman of... Behemoth, I keep forgetting names already, and Pears, just Pears, they're a hardcore punk band, they're really good, we'll talk about them in a bit, but first we're going to start with Vasa, a Glaswegian post-rock, math-rock, we'll get into it in a bit, band, uh, this is their second album called Heroics, it falls on from 2015's Colours, and standard preface whenever I talk about anything to do with uh, post-rock or math-rock, um, they are genres that are very much not my forte, so I wasn't. It, this wouldn't usually be the sort of album where I'll go through on Bandcamp and say, "Yes, give me some of that." But the podcast I listen to um, for a lot of my music reviews or just music intake in general really sung the praises. And the way they described it wasn't so much of a post-rock kind of album. They repeatedly said they wouldn't consider it a post-rock album. And it's just it's more strings to it, its bow, as it were. So I figured, why not? They crack on about it quite a bit. So give it a go for myself. And flicking it on and immediately getting to the open track, Childhood. Kind of, it followed everything that I was expecting. Um, when I saw a lot of reviews describe Vasa as a post-rock band. It's very ethereal, it's a very dreamy start to the album, um, and it adds a big old punch at the end. So it is very much, um, like I won't go all the way to say crescendo core, but it has that very standardised way of doing post-rock. And it was a little bit of like a mathy overtone to it all, but yeah, I was listening to that first song, I was like, oh, oh dear. Um, but it is considerably shorter than 
every other track in the album. It's only one minute fifty, so I'll just sort of in the end, it's kind of felt more like uh, an intro track, which is often quite right off tracks, anyways. But as soon as you start moving through the track listing of the album, I was finding the label of post rock is a bit of a misnomer. It's much more of a math rock album, and it's got much more of a kick to it as well. And the title track, uh, which stands as track two, opens like a warped or pop punk song to really, really like it brings the energy up so much from childhood. Um, that goes into everything is golden, which feels like it's got this really cool, excuse me, um, bass guitar riff that goes into what feels like a big stadium rock, a stadium hard rock kind of. Um, riffing that kind of section and from there it transitions to this really cool um, like East Asia inspired riff and you know like when you ever watch like your samurai films or your kung fu films or anything like that and or like any major film that ends up having a, uh, a part in like Japan or like general East Asia the soundtrack to those sort of moments or those sort of um, parts and films typically like soundtrack by some kind of flute or pan flute or some kind of like um, really high-pitched twangy stringed instrument the main riff in everything is golden kind of feels more like that um, string guitar sort of bit or stringed instrument sort of bit and it's hypnotic i thought it was really really good it's like ping 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 and you you know except good um but yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool riff on there. It's a really, really good song. Um, but then in Mini Boss, the main riff and that um, repeats for the entire time. It just gets so twisted and so distorted at times that it just sounds like a cursed chiptune riff from like um, an evil Game Boy. It's fucking great. And yeah, it just sounds manic. All the other words I said a minute ago, which sound a lot cooler in my head. Overall, it's got... The music of the album has... It's much more rooted in something like a punk or a post-hardcore as opposed to post-rock or maybe even mathcore. Um, it's got so much more of a bite. It has... Whereas I, I hear a lot of like math-rock and post-rock stuff, it's very clean, it's very um, delicate sound. And this has a little bit more... It's got a lot more distortion. They don't really meander that much. Like, math-rock... It, it never really sounds like it's Dream Theater's shitty younger brother. Um, the longest songs on here, there's only two songs that go beyond five minutes, and one of them is Settle, which is the final track. That's probably one of the best songs in the album. It's a really dramatic finale to this album. And like there are a couple of spacey songs in there, Settle obviously being one of them, Adulthood and Childhood, they're all quite... They do tend to be a little bit more floaty, and there's probably more outside of the examples I've given. But overall, it's so much more, it's so much more gripping, especially to me who struggles with um, post rock. There just seems to be a lot more going on. It's not just pigeonholed as a post rock album. I I would even probably say it's more math rock with a hint of post rock, as opposed to the other way around, as what I've seen a lot of reviewers market it as. Um. This was something that I enjoyed a lot more than I thought. It's also instrumental, and I like gripping onto lyrics more than I like gripping onto the music, usually. Um, but it's completely instrumental. 
and they fill that void by still being really, really interesting with um, guitarists and patterns and this sort of thing. Um, having those like really affected guitarists, like in Mini Boss and everything is golden, really kept me hooked. Kept me hooked. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 late, and I don't sleep well at the moment. Um, so yeah, if you are like me and you struggle with those sort of genres, I think this is a really good starting block. Um, I don't think this is going to get me running off to try and everything that's proggy and everything that's math rock at the moment, but it's a nice little, um, yeah, it is a nice little starting block. It's, it strikes me because of the instrument as well. It's good to have in the background whilst it will keep your energies up as well. Um, I always find people who listen to music as they work kind of sit on two sides. Something that's very intense and keeps them like their energy levels up or something that's very calm and soothing. I fall asleep to that side of things. So having something like this to have on, just you know, a little bit of a little bit of a hip hop, a little bit of a hip hop as you're going along. Yeah, it's pretty good. This um, it's called Heroics. It's the second album from the Glaswegian band Vasa. Tis out now. Um, yeah, really upbeat, really crunchy math rock to start us off this week. We were at Malvon. We were move on. In fact, uh, we're staying in Scotland. For Solway Star, the second album from 13 Crows. They are a... I describe them as rustic, which does not exist in the spectrum of musical genres, as far as I'm aware. They're probably closer to being described as like a punk and roll sort of thing, or a folk punk. But the way... The lead vocalist, Cammy Black, he's got this really, really gritty voice, uh, which lends itself to this very like rock and roll inspired music, really super fucking well. Um, he sounds amazing at parts of this album, um, especially when they combine it with um, use of reverb and like a backing, like, uh, backing vocals as well. It makes him go from just being like the front man of the band to it, it feels to feels to fucking hell he sort of like evolved to just be like quite imposing presence in the music because he has got this like huge backing behind him uh the grittiness of his voice at times reminded me of caleb from kings of leon and i don't listen to a lot of kings of leon i don't particularly like kings of leon but when they really exploded about 10 years ago whenever sex on fire and that album came out when like parts of the album where he has got this like really back of your throat snarl to his vocal, Cammy does that a lot, but I feel like Cammy can do that for fucking ever. He nails it so well and yeah, with those effects on his vocals, it ends up sounding huge in the grand scheme of things. And a lot of the like folky um rusticness, as I keep describing it, a lot of that also comes from the drummer as well, George McFarlane. I don't know if it's as, if it's where the drums are sat in the mix, or the style of beats that he uses, or just how it fits with the bass and the guitars and everything else. But I just feel like how he plays really lends to that feel of hanging out with friends with drinks and like just going around campfires and hanging out. Um, so yeah, I just thought that between them, Cami and George, they they are probably the biggest influences in having a more folkier feel and. That's what I mean by that rusticness. So it's very DIY. It's very um, grounded style of music. 
And it also has got this massive Heartland Rock vibe going throughout the album. But for me, it really amplifi amplifies? Amplifies. So now I can't, before I couldn't say words, now I can't say letters. It really amplifies on the second half of the album, which is which starts on Romantically Broke. And I don't know if this was done on purpose or if this is just me, how I've taken the album in. Um, but me noticing on Romantically Broke onwards that it's very much more the folk side of the, the band sound, whereas before that was very punky. Romantically Broke is where the album... It's the start of side B, if you have it on vinyl. So where is that track listing? Oh, there, Soul Waste Star. Um, so yeah, from Gypsy Queen up to track five, Not To The Gods. That's side one. I feel it's much more in time with like a punkier sort of thing. And then uh, Romantically Broke into Dying Breed, No Guts, No Glory, We Broke The Rocks, and then DG12. They are much more folky, much more to like the rock and roll vibe for the album. And, yeah, I don't know if that's something they did on purpose or if that's just how I took in the album, but I just thought it was like a cool, uh, really interesting way, if it is a purposely done thing. Kind of an interesting way. I see most bands I know sort of like do a, a big old mix, but if they've done half and half, especially if it's like a split on the vinyl, um, which I think that like, lack of a better word, that crustiness that you get on um, the background noise of a vinyl think it will add to the ambiance of the album really really well i found this i just found this to be a perfectly fine album which i know sounds like a really shit thing to say um i was really a big fan of the idea of the album i can't remember what song was it that i found on Bandcamp that made me get into this it would have either been gypsy queen or romantically broke i think it was romantically broke um and that's how i found it on Bandcamp. The songs, like, the songs that do it really, the, the, this whole vibe that they've got going on, the songs that do it really well, like Gypsy Cream, which is a slow, uh, delicate build into this like emotion, emotional, husky shout from Cammy. Um, A75, which kind of reminded me of Riot Song by Pure Love, Romantically Broke. Um, that chorus just oozes camaraderie and I think will do really well live. This whole album will do really well live. This whole style of um folk rock and roll punk for me it's a genre that will do really well outside live as opposed to an indoor venue and i'm not an expert on live music at all because i don't go to the gigs that often the current situation that's um withstanding i never was a big gig guy anyways but from what i've seen and from what i've heard indoor venues or indoor gigs always work better because you can play around acoustics and you know how to get the best out of the sound whereas outside you've got to deal with the world and the world shit so i feel like this is one of those styles of music that in a live environment you wouldn't even need the stage just have them on the floor on the grass and i feel that everyone have a fucking belter of a time um yeah songs like that gypsy queen Romantically Broke, Ace 25, I didn't throw DG12 in there as well and Jimmy TikTok. Those songs do this idea very, very well to the point where the other songs of the album just don't really feel there. They're just more placeholders and like um, interludes before you get to like one of the better songs. Um, so it's not the fact of like I'm not a fan of the execution even though I'm a fan of the idea. Some of the songs on here nail what I feel like they're going for perfectly. It's just the songs that 
I want to say the songs that don't, the songs that are just weaker are just generally weaker. So for me, it's a pick the singles out, leave the rest behind kind of album. Um, it the whole again the whole vibe of the album and how they sound and how they um, how I think they will be live. It strikes me the sort of act that's going to get taken out with someone like Frank Turner really quickly, and mixed feelings about that because I really don't like Frank Turner, but he is a big name. So having um, a seal of approval, they might have already gone on to all of them. I haven't um, gone into their live schedule that much, admittedly. Um, but I feel like someone like Frank Turner take him out will introduce them to the right kind of crowd that will go for um, really edgy, really energetic folk punk the same way that Frank Turner was always um, advertised to me and never fucking was um, but yeah intense, really interesting um, folk punk with blends of rock and roll I just again labelling it like a rustic punk that I have it's such a stupid term but I generally think if you listen to the first few songs you get what I mean by that rusticness a very common man style of music but or you could just listen to it and say it's the best thing ever, shut the fuck up, or it's really shit, shut the fuck up, so. What do I know? The album is called Solway Stars, the second album from 13 Crows. It's spelt with an E. Where is the E? It's between the W and the S. It probably means that it's not pronounced Crows, and it's Crowes, or Crowies. I'm gonna go with Crowies. 13 Crowies is the artiste, or the band even, doing really well. And the album is called Solway Stars, it's out now. Give it a go. This is why you don't review things or you don't record things late at night because you want to be a little bit louder, but you don't because you don't want to disturb your neighbours. But at the same time, you're really shit with words when you're wide awake. Why would you want to try and do things when you're kind of tired and your head's just not there? Um, nevertheless. The third album of the week then comes from Lansing, Michigan. I've never heard of the place, but I've heard of Michigan. They are an American band called Hot Mulligan. And this is, again, their second album called You'll Be Fine. Um, this follows on from their debut album Pilot, which was released in 2018. And they are an emo band with a massive math rock um, influence in their sound. For the album itself, I found the the biggest thing before like the emo-ness or the math or anything like that, the first thing that I properly noticed about the album was the vocals. It is a very raw, emotional style of vocal. Um, think uh, The Wonder Years, Tiny Moving Parts, Spanish Love Songs. And I felt the way he, so the lead singer, Tades Sanville, Tade Sanville. I don't know how that name... I've never seen that name before. I'm going to call him Tad because I feel like it's a happy medium. I'm very sorry. Um, the way Tad goes from... Like, bounces between a clean and a like, more harsh vocal reminds me a lot of The Used from back in... Like, what's the, what's, what's the album there's calls? Is it in Love and Death? Or am I think mixing that up with someone else? Basically, the ones that had, like, uh, Pretty Handsome Awkward... Uh, paralyzed, burden the worm, that kind of era of use, you know, when they were good. Um, and good old Bert used to jump between like a harsh, like a, more of a scream and then a clean. 
Um, Tad reminds me of that sort of thing right here, how he like bounces between the two, like pretty quickly and like pretty seamlessly between each section of the song for it to the point where you don't really know when the next song starts. You don't really know how it's going to be if it's going to be like um, where he's going to put those shouts in, if it's going to be a completely clean song, if it's going to be a completely shout song. So it's an album that keeps you guessing, and it helps considering it is a it's got this big math rock influence that like I said. Um, that math rock influence, I think, comes a lot from a tiny moving parts kind of sound. Um, I always, I found this to be a really satisfying amount of math rock, which I, it's a really wanky thing to say, and it might have been that listening to that Vassar album just like weakened my harsh exterior to the world of math rock. But it's not. What's the term you for? It's not um, oversaturated. I'm, I'm never thinking like. Math Rock inspired emo in a world of hit and misses, to me, and like for my personal take on it, it's very much a Star Wars Stormtrooper. You know, there's a few there's a few good moments. Um that Mine Love album from last year I still really enjoy. But a lot of the time I just find it's another case of you know, it's just Dream Theatre's weird younger brother that no one likes to talk to. Um Buffer you'll be fine. It just fits really nicely. It's a very satisfying amount. You never it's never to a point where they're like meandering along or like fucking fiddling around um with their friends to say, look what I can do. It fits the purpose really well, and I think they have got a very good um blend of emo and of math rock in the sound. And second album in They've done a lot better than a lot of the other math and math emo. Is there like a proper word for like really math emo? I've seen twinkly emo. I think that's how I found time moving parts. I saw something called twinkly emo and I got very, very confused. I think it was just twinkle actually. Twinkle music. Sounds wrong. Um, yeah, bands of that ilk I don't really go for, but I just feel like, yeah, Hot Mulligan. I've got the, the perfect blend. If you are, they're half and half. The hove is half and half. Um, a very satisfying amount, for me at least. I know people prefer the emo stuff, people prefer the mafia stuff. This meets me halfway. I've eaten nothing for hours, why am I dying? Um, the actual tone of the instruments, or like the, actual, the physical tone of the guitars and bass, reminds me a lot of the like early to mid noughties pop punk. When it's trying to be, it's trying to be very, uh, fucking rebellious and very anti everything. And you don't understand me, mum. But at the end of the day, it's still very syrupy sweet, and it's still got it's got a shimmer as well because it is still in the world of emo. Um, the only song that really goes outside of that, um, that sound, is a song called SPS. It's track nine, and it is a really different song. It has more in common with like a dance rock kind of song a lot of that again comes from uh the drums it's a very like hi-hat led song and it doesn't really feel like it fits in the grand scheme of the album but i really enjoy this as a song and like typically a song like that which is i think was it was a four-year strong album where it went very very like dance pop and it was woeful this time. I don't know if it because it if it's because it felt a little bit more organic, or if it was just if it was a little bit more subtle. 
Um, but I thought SPS on here was like a really good song, despite the fact it was very, very different from the rest of the album. Lyrically, it's in the right ballpark of modern emo songwriting. Feel Like Crab, which is just a painful sentence when you see it written down because it's it's spelt differently and you want to say crap because of, but it's a crab like the fucking animal. And yeah, not a fan of spelling, boys. Um, talks about unemploy- unemployability, which I'm I'm going to pretend that's a word. I'm not quite sure if it is. I know unemployable is. Fuck it, you know what I'm talking about anyways. Deals with unemployability, which, you know, sucks at the moment. Uh, We're going to make it to Kilby. Is all about, obviously, still being in the hometown, which is what a lot of emo bands do, and, like, pop-punk bands. But it is, it's more precise. It's not just saying, like, this town sucks. It is more saying, like, oh, it sucks because all my friends moved on. They all went to college. All they all went to university. All they all went and started families. Whereas I kind of stayed here. So I like... I like the fact that the lyrics of the album go more direct. It's not just a um, general my hometown sucks sort of thing. It is more in line of my hometown sucks but because of this. And I like that more. I like that personal touch they have to the lyrics. There are a bunch of other bands that do it as well. But I see there's also the stereotype of saying my my hometown suck exists for a reason because so many bands just say yeah it sucks because I had to go to school and there's nothing to do I was like yeah. yeah but everyone has that's everyone's hometown I had a park and it was shit because it was full of drugs that I didn't take just move on you sad bastard equipped sunglasses is probably like the more well it's not probably it is the more nuanced of um Song, song, song subject. Um, it covers like Tad's fear of public speaking, and again, I really like that personal touch. It is. I, I'm just trying to refer, um, think back now because I read there's an interview or like an excerpt of an interview that went with the lyrics of the album that I read on Genius. A different weird sentence, um, and it talked about how. If he's on stage, he can put like this, like an imaginary visor down, and that he he eventually feels kind of comfortable on stage. But when he's walking out, or if he's waiting, or even if it's like in the the songwriting um, setting of like you've got the band there, you've got the producer, you've got um, mixers, you've got any um, roadies in there as well. Those sort of environments make him really uncomfortable. But like getting on, being on stage is the easy part. Getting there is the hard part. So again. That personal touch in lyrics, I just thought it made it um, a lot better and added that personality to the album, which I feel a lot of emo bands lack. This one, it sits in the same sort of realm as 13 Crows, or 13 Crowies for me, where the songs that do it well, so we're going to make it to Kilby, um, feel like crap, equip sunglasses, they do it well. That, like, mathy emo again it's the right amount sps i think is a really cool experiment everything else does just sort of like meander into each other and again i don't know if it's just because it's a very math rock inspired thing i know i was a lot warmer to vasa but yeah i just wasn't feeling on this i i also think that tad's well at first listen to the album tad's vocals did great on me because it was a thing of 
he almost it's it's good in a way because it almost sounds like he is about to blow out his voice box but um considering it's a whole album worth of it i feel like he's got a much better handle of his voice than i give him credit for and i've just noticed like the plays in this album are insane so yeah he's doing the focus is a lot better than i ever i gave him credit for but it's just it's execution, I feel like, can be quite grating, and it took me a while to come around to it, and I've obviously fucking... I've listened to Grindcore and Death Metal for a few years, so... You know, I've... That's it, a bit more used to it, but yeah. I just found it to be... It just got a little bit samey outside of those songs that I mentioned. Um, but yeah, you know nothing else to say like i said it's been a weird week um if you go for like more mathy hardcore more mathy hardcore more mathy emo give this a pop it's a it wasn't wholly for me there's a few good songs out of this admittedly but as a whole i wouldn't even say it's bad either it just ha didn't have much of an impact which i feel like is even not i'm just gonna stop because i don't like slagging off bands but whatever uh it's called you will be fine they're called hot billigan the album's out now yeah, Kathy Hardwell, give it back. Okay, next album for this week. It is the second album from Me and That Man, which is the dark country, uh, dark folk, dark everything, acoustic -y, Americana sort of thing, uh, from Nurgle, the frontman of Behemoth. The album is called New Man, New Songs, Same Shit, Volume 1, because Nurgle is kind of an edgelord. Don't tell him I said that, he might actually kill me. Um, it follows on from Songs of Love and Death, which came out in 2017, which I've seen as being quite a weirdly received album. Um, I kind of liked it because at the time I was getting slightly more interested, only slightly, in Americana and like a dark acoustic kind of sound, which I was trying to find. Um, so Songs of Love and Death came out and it kind of was an entry point for that sort of thing. Uh, by no means am I an expert. No, I never went in as much as I should have or would have liked to have done. But it's still full of some absolute belters. Um, I really like My Church is Black, Cross My Heart and Hope to Die, Love and Death. I think the undertones of like a dark... Like, satanic? Sort of vibe to it all. Not satanic in a question, like, question because no, it was very much... It's a fine line between is he anti-Christian or is he very satanic? And I don't know enough about the gentleman to know. Um, but yeah, it had all the right things of being anti-God and very, um, hey, that's Satan fella, he's pretty cool, right? And, yeah, so I thought it was like a perfectly fine album, nothing groundbreaking, but very interesting nonetheless. Um, but I saw a lot of people question it and, like, say it's not very good, and, um, a lot of criticism I've read came to Nurgle for his vocal performance. I think even he referenced that himself in Rumble the Devil, the music video. He says, why can't I sing? And the woman says, because you can't fucking sing. He's like, all right. I didn't have a problem with the vocal. Um, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he did a perfectly fine job. I thought it actually fit quite well. It was not going to be like Johnny Cash, but, you know, for a man who's been screaming for the past 15 years, however long Game has been going, probably more longer than that, actually. But, what about that? For the new album, then, um, the fact's called Volume 1. Based on that makes me quite excited, there might be more volumes. Um, yeah, new album is much more of an Am Friends album. There's only one song where it doesn't have a feature, and that is Mistful, I believe that's pronounced. It's Polish, right, I'm sorry. 
Um, you've got musicians that befit the dark country genre, the dark country vibe. Um, so you've got Sivert um, Hoyem, probably haven't pronounced that right at all. A uh, musician with a band Madrugada, and if memory serves, they are an alt rock dark country kind of album, kind of band, sorry. You got Anders uh, Landelis from Slide and Slim, a bit more bluesy, and you got Jerome Reuter from Rome, who I did cover that album on here, didn't I? Yes, I did. Uh, dark neo folk album, either way, go look fine, Rome. They are really, really good. He's really, really good. Um, and if you ever play like a World Cup of Rock or World Cup of Music, that sort of thing, a few bands I know from, well, the only band I know from Luxembourg, so that's you win. So you've got those four musicians very much in tune with this kind of sound, um, or this kind of theme. You've got more outlet choices, so you've got these metal friends, so you've got Corey Taylor, you've got Matt Heafy, you've got Sean. Those sort of boys, though, you're always going to find them in these sort of albums, they are very, very genre fluid. Um, I had the proper cool term for when you have multiple disciplines, but I've gotten it. Um, do you know what I mean, though? They... Not quite Devon Townsend levels, but you know, Corey Taylor was on a Falling in Reverse song last year, this year, some point. I don't know what time is anymore. Um, Heafy's been on the big old bunch, same with the Sean. Um, so they're not quite as surprising, but then you've got Jorgen Munkity from the Norwegian band Shining. He pops up on a lot of like prog stuff and a lot of avant garde, usually going absolutely spanners on a saxophone. Um, I, compl I forgot how much I love Jorgen as a vocalist. He might be one of my favourite modern day vocalists. Um, he's fucking wicked and the song he's on, Rumble the Devil, is absolutely insane. And so yeah, seeing him on like a country rock kind of song was a bit weird. The weirdest one was Nicholas Kvarforth from the Swedish band Shining. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with that Shining, they are a depressive suicidal black metal band, and I'm pretty certain Nicholas is in a doom metal supergroup, I think? Um, either way, I would not expect them to pop up on a album like this and the song that he's on. I know it's the only song that's got any like metal in it, the last minute or so, uh, last like four seconds or so, is the very classic black metal blast beat, but yeah, mixed bag of characters, and it means there's going to be a whole heap and lot of creativity in there. And there is. There's the features, all the features make this album so much more varying, so much more creative than the previous album. There's so many different spin-offs to that, like, our country, American sort of thing um, for Nurgle and everyone to explore. Like, you've got more methodical sort of songs. So you've got Come Home, um, You'll Be Mine, Surrender. And the slower songs do feel like a lot more culty and has a lot more like dark presence behind them. You will be mine, Matt Heafy is fucking brilliant. His vocals on that absolutely slam it sounds so dark and sultry. And I love it. Love it. Um, you've got more up-tempo up songs as well, like Country of Rock Vibes with uh, Rumble of the Devil and How Come. You've got a bit more of a rockabilly sort of vibe with Deep Down South as well. So you've got lots of different ideas all executed differently as well i'm a huge fan of the lyrics you've got anti-christian stroke satanism sort of stuff burning churches with mac mcnerney from grave pleasures potentially the best song on the album up there with Ron the devil fucking brilliant song the superhero the, the, what happened to my voice the music video makes it feel like it's a bit of superhero after being diddled by the church and then goes around set by the churches 
the lyrics make it more sound like he was just in the church and then it's pyromania induced or uh, pyromania, pyromania induced anti-religion or just general pyromania and he just had a lot of churches nearby um the fucking chorus the rousing gang chorus um just the, the vibes you get from i keep saying vibe this week i don't know why what you get from like 13 crows in the like folk sing-along in a garden sort of thing you get that with the gang vocal on burning churches except you're all arm arm with a few bevs and you're roasting schmall on the dilapidated burning embers of church which is rad but holy shit you would be my like talk about a minute ago dark decrepit love song um i've got one lyrics here so you'll be mine or you'll be dead i said those words and shot a bullet in her head it's fucking dark evil shit the way he sings it is so sultry and almost sexy. It's fucking brutal. So you'll be mad or you'll be dead. Except, you know, with talent and really good. The lyrics in the album also cover like an anti-love sort of thing as well. Um, on the song Surrender, they say love is a burden that love brings you pain. I say love is a devil, it will drive you insane. We like rhyming. It's really, really fun. Um, and then the song goes on to sing about really wanting to die, which... Hashtag Maple. Um, I was a big fan of this album, continued to be a big fan of the album, but I said it was. Um, it's a much more of a deeper dive and more an exploration into this world that Nurgle wants to explore. Um, I feel like with Songs of Love and Death, he. It was like a pass. It started off as like a passing, passing fancy into like a dark, um, bluesy occult rock country sort of thing. Whereas this is more fun, he's had time to like explore different avenues and explore like a wider range of the style of music. Um, so whereas, in hindsight, the first album felt like a bit of a rush job, like I just want to get something like this, I'm really interested by it, let's get it out now. This is, I've had more time to think, I've had more time to like experiment and collaborate with people. Um, I've had time to like refine the kind of ideas and what I really like in the style of music. Um, I always have a soft spot for these kind of albums anyway. These and Friends album, these collaborative albums, I just think they produce some of the most interesting kind of music or interesting kind of songs that you can think of because you've got the core sound of what the um, bass musician or bass band want to go for and then you've got all these different people coming in who have their own different speciality and you got to like have your sound sort of complement it to the guests so that they feel at home but still your sound so you get that weird mix of the two yeah things like Slash, the first Slash album, Teenage Time Killers, Probot um, Roadrunner, United. I love this kind of albums. I always think they're just so cool and interesting. You get the weirdest collaborations like you would never expect. Um, I've seen a few reviews criticise like a cohesion, which I completely get, but at the same time, it is a, it is a collaborative album. You're never going to have, as much as you do have that bass sound, as I was saying, because you've got so many people coming in to put their own, A, their own spin, and you, um, What's the word I look for? Accommodate? Accommodate, that's the word. When you accommodate to someone else, you are going to get your sound just slightly twisted. So I get there like occasion, but I feel like it's a bit unfair for an album like this. Um, it's just an evilly fun album. And yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. If you like your dark... If you like your music spooky and dark, and full of Satan, um, New Man, New Songs, Same Shit, Volume 1. It is the second album from Me and That Man, the side project of the frontman of Behemoth, a man called Nurgle. Last album of this week then, we can all go home and be sad.
It's my plan to do. Um, it's the third album and the subtitle album from Pears. Um, it's like the fruit. P-E-R. P-E-R? Fucking I can spell. P-E-A-R-S. Um, they're from New Orleans, Louisiana, um, and they're a big old bombastic botch of hardcore punk. I don't know what's going on with that. I just stuck landing. Not bad. Not well. Um, it's very intense hardcore punk that's mixed in with like the melodies and um, choruses of like a skater punk or like a, a beat and actually properly punk pop punk. Um, so the kind of artists that also spring to mind were Can't Swim, You're the My, Stray from the Path, a little bit of suicidal tendencies, for like the skater pop punk sort of stuff, a lot, a lot of no effects vibes, a lot of that comes from the vocalist. Excuse me, Zach Quinn. He's um, just sonically very similar to uh, Fat Mike from No Effects. No Effects, fucking hell, it's on my throat. It's trying to be quiet whilst trying to get a point across, and it's apparently fucking up my throat. Also, because I've been alone, don't talk to people that often anymore. Um, where's that track listing gone? Uh, Pets, there you are. Just needs to need it. Um, so yeah, a lot of different um, in common with lots of different bands, with lots of very good bands. Um, the way they the drifting from those raucous like limb flailing moments into the massive sing along sections that um, Pairs apparently have I've only heard of them on this album they apparently have this hugely impressive live reputation songs like this are going to ease into that wonderfully it's like um, Nervous is just absolute mad ball energy um, Nap Time is fucking so stupid but amazing uh, comfortably dumb that's one of the big ones that's going to have a massive chorus. Um, it's one of the standout songs of the album. So yeah. And it is a seamless moment. It's not exactly like this part, then this part, this part, this part. It is just... it's it, Again, it's just so smooth. It's so well done. And yeah. Big fan of the general sound of the album. There's plenty of personality and lyrics as well. Um, for what I've read, pairs are known to have like a quite... Almost comical, very cynical take on the lyrics. Um, nap time... As I mentioned earlier, it is literally just an ode to his bed. He talks about fitting a sheet, he talks about like trying to sleep outside and shit and goes back to his bed and he actually really likes it. It's a fucking stupid song, but it's brilliant. Um, Peepa starts off as like a song all about his very eccentric granddad and his love for the man. It then very quickly turns into him dying and then he's got to clean through his old flat and just finds a bunch of batteries. It's an insane song. It... It's delivered, so it's like a weird song or something, but it's, you'd think, like, talk about your, like, a family member like that. Usually they're very, like, slow, very melodic, almost ballad usually ballady sort of songs to talk about, especially when they end up passing away in the end. Um, this feels like it's a 90 hardcore song mixed with the early Foo Fighters, when Dave Roll had that really, like, snarl to his voice. Similar to what I was saying about um, Caleb from Kings of Leon earlier, but, you know, it's Dave Grohl, so therefore better. Um, if you read stuff like that and you don't often hear like songs of tribute in that very intense kind of way so again just adds to the fact that they can be quite I was going to say crude but I feel like that's the wrong word I'll keep it cynical very cynical take on the world while still retaining an, a key sound and not like really f moving it for emotions or tears or anything like, um, anything shit like emotions anything shit like that Zero Wheels as well is basically a pop punk song about being like young and stupid um, or just overall refusing to grow up as an adult. 
Um, so it's pop song, but it's dressed up as like a minute and a half long, furious, hardcore, absolute rager. It's, it's a fucking brilliant song, Zero Wheels. Um, and yet it is officially 84 seconds long, and it's just a, one of the best 84 seconds you'll have what's not in bed. Uh, there's a, a kind of like almost post-hardcore element to the album. Um, this just got like little bits of experimentation here and there. On Song Worm, it's got like a weird little play around with time signatures. On Dial Up, it's like a weird play around with a reworked 90s pop punk song. Pop punk song. It's not even pop punk, it's just pop songs. Oh, Mama Number 5, which is a song that's cursed for me. So, a little weird hearing a hardcore punk album. But it's not quite Mama Number 5. It's a, it's, it's, it's a thing. Go, go listen to the song. Listen to the album. It's really, really good. Um, Travelling Time is probably the biggest difference to the rest of the album. It's a dirgy, alt-rock song that sounds like the back end of the grunge era. Um, so, adding on to all the bands I compared to earlier, that song in particular is very turnstile or very microwave And, yeah, just got all that, that grittiness and a bit of dirtiness to it um, that I feel like the rest of the album doesn't really have. Although it is a hardcore album, it's very crisp and very... I don't want to say clean, but you know, it's a grunge just ha does have a very like dirtiness to it, and yeah, I feel like this this kind of hardcore really doesn't. I'm rambling. I'm gonna move on. This is an album where it's really difficult to describe because it is just hardcore just done really well. It's not rewriting any. Well, it's not rewriting anything. It's not um, redefining anything. It's just for what it is. It's very simple in its execution. It's just really fucking good. It's 30, th 30 minutes, 3-0, because numbers, um, over 14 songs. None of them crack three minutes. Nope, I think it's an even split about songs between that crack two and one minutes, to be honest. Short bursts of intense punk. Um, Zach Quinn does a phenomenal job as a vocalist. He can, like I said before, he can split between being horrifically intense as a vocalist of being like rousing get the crowd involved style of pop punk it's just a really really fun album it's really really good um and i'm like that difficult because you can't just say oh they're really good because it doesn't really mean anything but it's really fucking good it's a self-titled album from the band pears p-e-a-r-s i can spell it that time and that will do it. I feel like I went for like 10 minutes, but apparently I've been here for 50. So you're welcome, I think. Maybe. I hope everyone is doing really well. I hope everyone continues to do well. Um, next time I see you, I shall hopefully have album reviews for new albums from Trivium, uh, Black Dahlia Murder, Enter Shikari, Ye Banished Privateers, and a whole host of other stuff. Um, keep yourself safe. Keep yourself indoors. Have the NHS. Don't clap a bojo. Um, and when you are allowed out, don't forget to overthrow the government. Um, I will see you all next time. Oh, oh I should probably plug things. Um, come check me on social media, at DesolationPod. Um, yeah, there's no video this week because, uh, like I said, it's, well, now it's 11 o'clock and I lost the light, so you don't get to stay on my pretty little face anymore, so I'm sorry. Just put a video of mine on, but turn the sound off, and then turn this one on, so you've got my face, look like I'm knowing what I'm talking about, looking like I'm actually saying with the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. But you will, they're not. Hopefully next time I can be a bit louder instead of this like weird half whisper, half low-key vocal. I'm gonna fuck off now, see you later.